love laid Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. You are through to another episode of Love Laid Bear. Um, today, I have a previous guest, a lovely, lovely lady that I've had on before. Um, I'd like to welcome you to the founder of Floating Counselling. And I am with Celestina this morning. How are you? I am fine, thank you. How was your trip down? It was not too bad. I thought I would get lost, but I didn't. It was quite straightforward. Good. I mean, you have been here before. I have, but I took the public transport last time. Ah, uh, yes. Time I, I, I drove down. Uh-huh. So I was a bit like, oh my God, there's a lot of roundabouts in Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan of roundabouts. I think they just take some getting used to. Yeah. And I think once you're once once you're used to them, you just kind of just crack on with it. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Lombard roundabout? You know, the one that takes you to Pearly Way? Oh my goodness, that was the worst. <laughs> A lot I of people get out of the way. Yeah, a lot of people don't like that one. I don't know. I think I'm relishing the challenge. I'm like, I get that. I'm like, vroom. <laughs> and speak. what am I going to face today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh goodness me. So, um, I've, I've, guys, I've invited Celestina here because um, I wanted to discuss and touch on the importance of therapy and counselling for children and particularly young adults mm. um so Celestina can you just give us a bit of background for people who maybe didn't hear the episode that you did with me which was called um spare the rod spoil the child you're also an author as well so let's just quickly cover that part um so what's your background um as in my profession yes <laughs> I'm a psychotherapist so a, count- a talking therapist um and my book was around is because it's still <laughs> you can still buy it my book is around disciplining with love so it's actually called disciplining with love and the book contains a lot of information as to why spanking or hitting children and young people is quite dangerous um but i always say to people my book is not to say do not hit your children it's just these are the reasons why you shouldn't if you do well have this knowledge in mind that this is what it can cause mm-hmm. in your child um, and also I feel like a lot of the time when people do spank children is because they, they feel that that's what works. Yes. And that's because of past experiences of that's how we were raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I always say we're raised in a time that is different from, you know, we're raising children now in a time that is different from the way we were raised. Mm-hmm. That was then, this is now. Now we know the consequences. Now we can find, you know, a way to move forward that is better. So in the book, there's also other strategies that we can use to parent children, to discipline them without spanking, that, you know, research upon research has shown that works just as perfectly and even better than spanking. And because it's, it's spanking is immediate, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. but then you're not teaching children anything because then they'll just learn to hide it from you, yes. lie about it and manipulate situations so they don't get caught. Whereas other, you know, ways and strategies that I put in the book is, um, long-term input into actually raising children that don't want to do things that is going to cause harm to other people or themselves yes Um, yes. which Mm -hmm. is what we want to raise we want to raise a better generation that doesn't want to hurt other people knows themselves better 
uh, you know can communicate their own emotions absolutely in, you know instead of just going out there and doing whatever whatever mm-hmm. and thinking they can manipulate situation and lie their way out of situation yeah. um because that's what you know spanking does you know they feel like okay if i get caught i'm gonna get beaten uh, but if i don't get caught then i got away with it yeah whatever that's not what we want children to be we mm-hmm. don't want them to think they can get away with things by just hiding it yeah um, so that's what the book is really about. Um, and yeah, so there's also biblical aspects to it as well. And I love that. I mean, we we did speak about this. Um, I mean, guys, please do listen to that episode and also get her book. We're going to give you the details of how to get the book at the end of the um, at the end of the episode. Um, but even me, you know, I have a now three year old. And although I'd already committed to not spanking her, actually hearing your reasonings, kind of empowered me a bit more to know that the decision that I made is the correct one for me and Absolutely. and my child. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, not going to lie, it's very hard. Yes. It's so hard. And But, but what I've realised is once I've kind of, I've calmed down and I've moved away from the situation, I've realised that actually it's not really what she's done. Yeah. It's how I'm feeling. She's triggering something in you. Exactly. I'm already stressed mm-hmm. or I'm tired yeah. or... Um, or, or something why I don't have the patience to deal with her Absolutely. how I normally would have done Absolutely. you know so um yeah thank you because it's definitely made a difference for me even though I never spanked her but it's really 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 helped me so guys please I'm going to give you the details for the book at the end of the episode and it will be on the website too um but yes young people in therapy yes what's your experience with um you know counseling doing talking therapy with young people and children young people actually really like it surprisingly but i think the stigma of counseling and talking therapy for adults kind of impacts what young people also feel but once they actually get into it and they actually realize that actually i'm just sitting there talking about myself (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. really not a big deal it's not really you know why do people make this seem like it's a bad thing and they actually start to really offload and really tell you what their issues are and really tell you you know what it is that they want to offload um but initially the first sessions a lot of the time some not all not all young people some young people are quite anxious about it because they you know if it's if it's been a teacher that said that they need it then mm-hmm. it's like um that teacher doesn't like me that teacher thinks i'm sick that teacher thinks like i'm sick in a bad way not sick uh-huh, in a good yeah, way. yeah 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 <laughs> um so, but then by the time they get into it, like I said, you know, they're quite reliable, quite like, you know, I'm just talking about myself. I'm just, you know, you're mm. try- just trying to help me find a solution to my problems, which is it's, cool. It's interesting that how, d- how do children, well, young adults, I guess, how are they even aware of the stigma, the stigma of counselling mm. at such a young, how, like how, Absolutely. how do they even know that? Social media, TV, the parents, family members, maybe teachers themselves, society really, it has definitely impacted them. Wow. It's interesting because I had um I had a guest on a few weeks ago, um, Swiss from So Solid, and he was saying that when he I was quite I'm really surprised, but he said that when he was kicked out of school or just before he was kicked out of school um, permanently when he was about fourteen, he was giving counselling in school. Mm. And I was like, Wow, like I that was unheard of back then. Back then. You know, and yeah. he and he was like, "Yeah, I, I got counselling because they, they realised that." And I was like, "Wow, well, that had that didn't happen in the bar of Sutton where I was school, <laughs> so I don't know." But yeah, so it's it's that's interesting. Okay, so 
What kind of age ranges do you work with? Um, well, the, the, my passion is young people and family. So really and truly the age range varies. Um, personally, I, w- I would say children who are younger than four, really and truly, they don't need counselling. Okay. Um, they, if anything, the parents at that age, I would need the counselling. Mm-hmm. Then they can just, you know, transfer what they've learned to the young people. But um, children who are about four or over, then we can have play therapy with them. So sit on the floor, play therapy, draw some painting with them. And that's how I do therapy with really young children because okay. they, really, really, they can't quite articulate words anyways. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they go through what they're feeling through play so um, it would or painting, depending on what the child is into. Um, so that is what I would I would do with a really young child. And that I tend to do that from about five years old. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the, the age range really varies. Like I said, we work with parents as well. So the age range that we work that I work with it's it really varies. Okay. What I wanted to focus on today was um the discussion around, you know, youth violence and the effect that it's having on a, you know, the perpetrators, the victims and their friends. Mm. Because if you're if you're going for a situation where you're seeing your friends being really badly hurt or even murdered, mm. the psychological impact of that is going to be massive. Absolutely. Um, so could you kind of break down to us, you know, what type of things can um, affect a young person when faced with that scenario from like, I guess all three perspectives as the victim, the perpetrator, or as a peer? Um, well, as a victim and the, um, the family members or the friends, whether they were there or they didn't hear or they were, or they were not even there because there's actually, um, a story, um, that I heard, um, a few years ago, this was probably about 15 years ago. Um, the, 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 the son was murdered. The dad heard about it and he passed out. He was in a coma for almost a year. What? from the trauma of just hearing that his oh son God. has been di- has just died has just been murdered so you know these the so you know he physically his body physically just shut down and he was oh in a coma God. and even when he did come out of the coma one of his he's he had to use crutches wheelchair and everything and then gradually they did physio and even now he still kind of limps and it's been about 15 years like i said it's been and wow. he's still limping so these are the kind of effect that can happen from trauma because that was trauma like you heard a really bad news and boom your body shut down you were gone so that is the extreme cases the mm. the, the subtle cases are your mind shuts down your 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 instinct your survival instinct comes into play so for example you hear that your your son or your family member or your friend has just been shot they've just been stabbed whether they're dead whether they're alive you know your instinct goes into overdrive and it can mm. either either be freeze or it can be that survival mode that the survival instinct of human goes into and I feel like a lot of the young people who are now carrying knives, I feel like they've gone into survivor mode, which is only for survival. Mm-hmm. But now it's becoming an everyday thing, which is also causing its own trauma. Yeah. Because, you know, our body is not designed to be going through survival mode every day, every second of the day. Mm-hmm. So what tends to happen is when your brain starts going into overdrive, like survival mode all the time, it causes PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Because mm-hmm. your mind and your body is not equipped for these kind of things. So, you know, young people are saying that they're having, some young people are saying they're having knives for protection so that means they're waking up every day thinking they're going to die so yeah. they need to carry a knife for protection well, that's a, that's a survival mode mm-hmm. you've gone into fight mode so every day you're going into fight mode of carrying a knife you need to defend yourself you're looking over your shoulders you're thinking someone's going to come stab me in my back someone's going to come do this you know you're 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 overthinking where you need to go and where you can go and where you can't go 
that is survival mode that is ptsd that is mental health disorder that these children are carrying every day that now even when you hear oh a child a young person says oh i carry it for survival no one thinks anything to think wait a minute that's that's mental health disorder, health disorder yeah that, wow, that is a disorder yeah. That is not normal. That is not normal for any mm. human to wake up every single day and think their life is in danger, danger every wow. day. And these children are going around and the and the mo- the mood is obviously impacting the people they're coming into contact with. Because if you're in survival mode, you're in a fight zone every second of the day, mm. every day, everyone's going to annoy you at one point or the other. A lot of the time they're going to annoy you because your body is just in a fight mode all the time. Mm-hmm. So someone barge past you, you want to fight them. Someone looks at you the wrong way, you want to fight them. Someone does something, you want to fight them. Your teacher says something, you want to fight them. Your mm-hmm. siblings say something, you want to fight them. Because you're just in that overdrive fight mode all the time. And then there's the opposite, which is the freeze mode, which can tend, you know, internalize depression. So mm-hmm. all these things, you know, they really, really are impacting our young people. And in regards to the perpetrator, well, something clearly happened for that person to think they can carry a knife, they can be in a gang, they can, they should have a gun. So again, I just feel like everything is really linked to mental health disorder. Mm. And until we as parents, um, the government, the schools, everyone start dealing with this trauma that these people, young people and even adults are going through. Because like I said, that person, um, the one that he passed on, he was in a coma, that he was a grown adult that mm. went through that physical trauma that literally his body shut down. So until we start actually you know giving people talking therapy dealing with the trauma that they're going through because every time we're watching the news we're seeing this person die this person that even us hearing this yes. news all the time yeah it's having an impact on us because mm-hmm. then we're worried about oh is this young person gonna go out and die today mm-hmm. so you know as a parent you're worrying about this your children are picking up on this energy and it's just ongoing and ongoing and no one's doing anything about it in regards to the mental health side yeah and it's not going to stop until we deal with the mental health side i don't see how it's going to stop we can open gym we can give them activities to do which is great because then you're, you know, you're keeping them busy because you're keeping them busy away mm. from crime, but you're not dealing with the trauma. Trauma, which you're is the just, root. Which is the yeah. root, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those things are great, but we also need to deal with the root, like you said, like, that that needs to uproot it. That, that, that trauma that has, that has happened in their life, that they're experiencing every day, it needs to be uprooted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting them involved in activities is great, because they do need to, like, you know, there's a saying, you know, the devil makes work for the idle, idle hands. hands. Yeah. So they need to be busy. They need to be doing something mm. productive with themselves. They need to know that, you know, their life has a purpose and all those things are important, but so is dealing with the root and the mental health side. So everything just needs to work hand in hand mm-hmm. because one alone is not going to fix the other. So just often them talking therapy, dealing with the trauma, you know, often them counseling, that is great as well. But if you're not keeping them busy and keeping their mind active and helping them look to the future, to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, like you're not going to be 15 forever. Yeah. You're not going to be 10 mm. forever. You're going to be a 30-year-old one day. You're going to be a 40-year-old one day. You are going to you could own a company one day. Yeah. You could have people working for mm. you one day until you're really advising or open up their mind to, you know, their the purpose, the fact that they are, they were made genius. I went to an event yesterday um, and... Um, can't quite pronounce the man's name properly. His name is Professor Idoma or something like that. And his child is um, one of the top geniuses in Britain. And he was talking about how, and all these children are geniuses. And um, I think he's got like four children. And he was saying people tend to think that he raised geniuses, like he's in the genes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he's not in this gene. Like, you know, his, his grandparents weren't like genius. Yeah. They didn't like, but it's the way he is 
cultivated and nurtured their skills from mm-hmm. when they were young. young yeah. And he now he mentors a few other people and um and he says it's not it's nothing special. Everyone is born with a stamp. He said he said something yesterday. He said everyone is born with a stamp of okay. Like when God made you, he put yeah. a stamp of perfection on every single person. That's so nice. So as a parent, we just have to find what that stamp is, is yeah. and we need to nurture that and just know that you're, there's nothing wrong with your child. Mm. Your child is perfectly fine. So if it's football your child is into, great. Teach your child with football. So the example that I, 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 you know, that was going through my mind when I was listening to him talking yesterday was, for example, um, if your child is into football, but they're not doing well in school, and he gave this example as well, actually. He said um, he got um, a guy that was, you know, about a few years ago, he got a guy that his mum said, oh, he's really dumb, he's not doing well in school, he's really naughty in class, his teachers are always kicking him out, this boy's going to go to prison, I'm really worried about him, do something with him, professor. And professor spoke to him and then he said, um, he, he likes football. So he gave him a piece of paper and pen and he said, oh, you know, write, write, write me, um, you know, all the things that you know about football and your favorite team. And he said, this guy just wrote and wrote wow. and wrote ah. and wrote. And he said, when he looked at it, he had punctuation marks, he had capital letters and he had full stops in it. So clearly he knows his nice stuff. stuff. yeah. <laughs> but just on the topic that he wants to write uh-huh. about. So it's that saying of, you know, you're telling a fish to run. But a fish is meant to swim. Swim, yeah. They can't run. Mm. <laughs> so you can try as hard as you want to tell this fish, run and faster, run. But it's like, I, I, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. It's not making sense. So as a parent, find what works for your child. Find mm. what the passion is. And just nurture that into whatever it is you want as well. So if it's football that he's into, well, turn football into maths. Maths lesson. Yeah. You know, maybe if... Well, you, maybe yeah, <laughs> no, and, and, and do you know what? You're absolutely right. Because I guess with... With the example of football, there are so many you can talk you can like teach them angles and Exactly. And also yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Maths. And yeah, there's a lot you can teach in in football. But I guess, you know, for that parent it was just for that mother, it was just all he wants to talk about is football. All he wants to do is play football with his friends. All he wants to do is watch football on TV every single day. He doesn't want to do his homework, he doesn't want to do this. He mm. just wants to But it was like, okay, yeah, great. He wants to do football. How can you also get what you want as a parent? Helping, and yeah. also get him to do his football. I like that. Analogy. So the professor was able to like mm. really take that and actually get him to do what he needed to do. And the kid did um took his maths GCSE at fifteen and he got A star. That's amazing. From the child wow. of, he's dumb, he's not listening, he's, the teachers hate him, they're going to expel him, he's going to get end up in gangs, he's going to be killing people. You know, the mum was really worried, but she just needed to... I mean, but the, I, I mean, not that I'm trying to be critical, but the thing is, like, you, you should never tell your child that they're dumb. I agree. You should never tell your child they're going to end up dead. You should, never, you should never tell, like... I agree. The power but, is in the tongue. Absolutely. But these are the kind of things that parents say without even thinking about it. Mm. That things, things I've heard parents say like, you're stupid. You're, you're, you're a bit. But then they, they say it in such a random way that they, they themselves don't even realise realize what negative. they yeah. And they will do it. And some, I've seen some parents do it in such a jokey way. Oh, you're so dumb. <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's like, it's a joke. It's like, how is... You, you just call your child dumb. dumb but yeah. it's a joke. Mm. But what they don't realise is that child will hold on to that and when that child is feeling depressed or feeling low in life they will remember that they're not good at anything anyway yeah. so because my mum's telling me that I'm yeah dumb. My, mom, my mom even though she was joking about it she used to say i was dumb mm. so i'm not good at anything but um yeah so 
I hope I answered your question. Yes. <laughs> I kind of went on the roundabout about it. No, 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 no. no you, you've given us some really good examples. The thing is, I feel like even if we don't, if we, even if we do go a bit off piste, mm. there are still nuggets of information that we need to hear anyway. Mm. So it's absolutely fine. Um, so in terms of parents, how do you think we can go about breaking the stigma Um Particularly with black parents, because obviously this platform is primarily for, um, you know, the black community. How can we, or what kind of words of encouragement or empowerment would you give to parents who are a bit resistant to the notion of either themselves or their children having therapy? Mm. Um, I think what I like to, how I would like to describe it is... Therapy, talking therapy is just a space for you to express yourself and to get to know yourself. It's self-care, it's self-love. And it's not a place for you to go just because you're sick. That too, if you are mentally sick, yes, that helps as well. But it's also a place to prevent you from getting sick. So um, I talk about people tend to, you know, when you go to doctors, you know, even on TV, you'll see them saying to you, you need to eat five to ten fruit and veg every day. You need to drink water. You need to have enough sleep. Um, you need to exercise to make sure you're not obese. You're not, you know, you don't have stroke. You don't smoke to make sure you don't have lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And all these things are great, but it doesn't mean you're not going to then not be physically ill. Yeah. It just means that you're less likely to be physically ill if you're doing all these things. Mm-hmm. So there's people that I know who have, you know, who have lung cancer, but they've never smoked. Yes. But mm-hmm. smoking also means that you're more likely to have yes. lung cancer. But it mm-hmm. doesn't mean just because you don't smoke, you're never going to have lung mm-hmm. cancer. And it's the same thing with counselling. You need to look after your mind and you can do that with coming counselling. It doesn't mean you're never going to be mentally stressed, mentally you know, depressed or sick. It just means you're less likely to be sick once you've gone to therapy. And once you are going therapy, talking therapy, you're less likely to be sick. And that is how I like to say it because physically affect your mental state your mental state affects you physically mm-hmm. i mentioned how you know once that dad heard the news that his son had been murdered his whole body shut down that was physical body that shut down because of mental um thing that he heard mm-hmm. so you know it's so interlinked and we can't just be eating healthily going gym doing exercise but we're not looking after our, our mind, mind. Yeah. and mm-hmm. think we're, we're going to be healthy we're mm-hmm. not going to be healthy because our mind has power over our body yeah and our physical being you know, also affects our mind. So it's hand in hand and the stigma, I'm not sure where the stigma comes from. And I think the stigma probably, actually, the stigma probably comes from people thinking it's just for when you're sick. Mm-hmm. And it's like going to the GP, you know, a lot of the time people tend to only go to the GP when they're sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, some people also do regular yearly check with the GP to make sure that everything is working fine. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that isn't, um, let me know now so we can yeah. find a solution yeah, for uh-huh. it. And that is what counselling is. Go counselling to make sure nothing is wrong. And if there is something that gets highlighted, you know, then work with that with your therapist. So um, I hope that helps somebody because it's it's just, it's, it's just, I see it the same as physical. Mm-hmm. You need it as much as you need to look after your physical, you need to look after your mental. And the stigma, I guess the more we talk about it, the more it's going to shift because... Yeah, we just we, we need we need we need a sound mind for sound body really. Absolutely. And um yeah, so I hope that kind of shifts the stigma a bit that it's not just because you're sick. Mm-hmm. Um 
I was at a radio station um, a while ago and I, 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 did, I did say to the, um, the person that was interviewing me, I said, you know, everybody in this council was like, I'm not mad. I'm like, it's not about madness. You're mad, yeah. <laughs> and that's the first thing everyone says. I'm not mad. Yeah. You don't need to be mad. Yeah, absolutely. And that is where that stigma comes from because they think, okay, if you're going council, then you're mad. There's something wrong with you. Whereas, you know, when we go to the GP, it's not because there's anything wrong with me. I'm just going to GP just to make sure there's nothing wrong with mm. me sometimes. And yeah, and it's just, we have to start looking at it the same way we look at the physical being. As in, I eat healthily, not because I'm obese, but mm-hmm. just because I don't want to be obese. Yes, yeah. You know, I do exercise, I drink enough water and fruit juice and all these things to make sure I'm not sick. And it's mm-hmm. just it's just the same thing. I need to look after my mind to make sure I'm not sick. Yeah. And, you know, I've been a therapist for about 12, if not more years now. And um, I still go counselling to make sure that I'm okay, to make mm. sure that, you know, when I am stressed, I've got somewhere to offload. To make sure when I'm kind of like in a in a you know in in a in a transition in my life, I'm able to maneuver through that transition safely. And it's not because I'm, I'm I feel like you know I'm going to you know kill myself one day or anything. It's just the fact that I don't want to get to that stage of yeah. I know I no longer want to be mm. alive. I no longer see a purpose in life before I then start to go counselling. Mm. I don't you know it's like you know cancer. You don't want that tumor in your body to be huge and taking over your whole yes. your whole brain yeah. your whole mm. you know organs before you say oh actually I think I'm going to go to my GP now and just maybe ask them if they can remove it. Remove Sometimes it. Mm. it's just too late. Too late, yeah. So prevention is better than cure. Prevention is counselling, talking to but go just for the sake of it. Go just for your own self-care. Go just for the sake of your family, just to make sure that you are okay and you mm. can, you know, we all go through things in life. You can manoeuvre through whatever you're going through safely as possible. So if you ruled the UK, <laughs> right? Yes. From a third from from the perspective of a therapist when would if would you implement therapy as like a, a standard so for example we have the nhs you know would you implement therapy as a standard for young people from a certain age or would you still kind of have it as a as in when it's needed type of thing i would have it for everyone so before people have kids I believe they need counselling. Mm-hmm. Before they get into serious relationship, they need counselling. As they're entering into primary school, they need counselling. Even before they enter into primary school, because that's a transition from nursery to primary school. Yeah. And that transition can be quite hard for a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, they need counselling so to manoeuvre that, to get them prepared, to get their mindset, because nursery is not the same as normal school. Mm-hmm. So that transition can be quite traumatic for a lot of young people. Um, so I would have counselling. I would have counselling just if, if something everybody does. Everybody will have to mm-hmm. have counselling. Every transition in your life, you need therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I will start as early as, you know, that transition in primary school primary when they're school. about three years old. Okay. I will start it from three years old into that transition. And it will be, and even, it will, maybe for, for that age range, it won't be a one-to-one. It will maybe just be like a group, like the whole class. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about, you know, what do you think it's going to be like? And I think some schools do that, but they don't do it in a therapeutic um, way that a psychotherapist will do it. Okay. Um, they could just, you know, because I remember that when, because my son is at an age where some of his, his peers were going into, um, into school but because he was born late, he mm-hmm. had to stay an extra year. Right. And what I noticed was there was a lot of upset with him and knowing that he was staying and his friends were going and he didn't uh-huh. know where his friends were going. Okay. And then all of a sudden he noticed that they were gone and was like, oh, where's Michael? 
mommy, where's Michael? So for me, what I understood from that was his nursery did not prepare him, him enough right. yeah. for that transition. And if they did not prepare him enough, that means they did not prepare the children that left into that I'm you with know, you, yeah. primary mm. school. And what that also means was that child, those children can then go into those primary schools, be naughty, be, you know, whatever it is that, you know, they label them naughty. But then they're just acting out and the trauma that they're feeling with the transition that they've gone mm-hmm. through that has not been manoeuvred correctly. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that children do that we might label it as naughty, but really truly they're just expressing themselves Sounds, yeah. and they're going through whatever it is that they're going through. And I feel like this is why counselling, that's why if I was in charge of mm-hmm. the United Kingdom and Britain, <laughs> <laughs> I would have every parent just be mindful of this because as soon as my son started saying those things to me, my alarm bells went off and then I started to do you know, that transition for him at home mm-hmm. um, into, okay, well, you know, it sounds like your friends are going to go to school. So, you know, we bought little presents to give his friends. Mm-hmm. So, I, and then he wrote his name inside it and then he gave it to his friends. Even though we did that at home, he still was quite a bit upset yeah. that, you know, when they left and then he couldn't see them anymore. But for me, if I was not a psychotherapist, those alarm bells would not have gone off in my mm. head. They'll just be like, yeah, they're going, they're going to school. What's the big deal? Yeah. Get over it kind of thing. Whereas for a child, it's like, I can't get over it. They're my friends. I played with them for like two years. Mm. Now I'm, I might never see them again. It's like something that you've really like been taken yeah, away from you. And you don't they know where they're going. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't know where they're going. You don't know if you're ever going to see them again. It's 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 quite traumatic. If mm. we look at it from our own perspective, like I'm driving a car, that car was just taken and I don't know what happened to my car. Where's it gone? Well, yeah, it's it? you're going to stay with state of confusion. Yeah, but it's yeah. confused. I'm confused. Who took it? It's so true. You don't even think about it like we that, We don't, do, you? do we? We don't. This is why, mm. you know, I feel like once parents start having therapy, they will start thinking yes. about this because those alarm bells will start going up because mm. they're so aware of themselves and they're starting to look at life and their young people in a certain um, lens now that those alarm bells that, you know, you wouldn't think anything of before, mm. they will start they will start ringing in your head and you start thinking, okay, what can I do about this? And if you don't know what to do about it, you can do, take it to your therapist. And yeah, you're the therapist yeah, can think yeah. of, you know, what can I do with this child that is displaying this behavior mm. or that is saying this to me? And then you and your therapist can obviously come up with a family plan on what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to me, that is why counselling is, is important. It can just be little minor things that we can prevent in our young people that, you know, we wouldn't have thought of it if it's not because we were in therapy. Yeah. And that is why, for me, therapy is so important. So it's not about, you know, we're sick. There's something wrong with us. It's mm. just, let's make sure there is nothing wrong with us. Let's make sure we're not creating trauma in our young people. Because another thing with attachment, because you mentioned the attachment, actually, which is perfectly spot on, is if they're unable, if they find it hard to attach because of the incident that's happened where something or someone was taken from them and they don't know what happened and they're lost in this confusion, it means the next time somebody wants to make friends with them, they're going to be a bit reluctant. Yeah, mm. because I don't know if you're going away as well. Oh. And I don't know if I'm going to see you again. Yeah. And then they'll go into nursery and they'll go and they'll carry on this 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 way of being of, I don't really know if I want to be friends with you. I don't really know if I want to tell you my business. I don't really know because I don't know how long you're going to be here for. Mm. And then if I'm going to... And then by the time they grow up, it has become so much a part of who they are. Yes. And they don't even oh remember where it comes from. Oh my goodness me. You know, like, as you're talking, I'm like, wow. So you know you've got those people who are like, I don't, you know... I, I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. Yeah. I don't need new friends. And, I, and I'm a bit like, huh, why? But again, it could literally start from yeah. some some Something place... Small, that's as that, yeah. Minor. 
Goodness me. Absolutely. Guys, honestly, please get therapy. You know, I say it every episode, but, you know, every time I have Celestina on, it's just like, even though, obviously, guys, you know what this platform's about, but even for me, it's like, wow, a wake-up call, because it just makes you think of all, you know, all the different people that you come across in the walks of life, and you're like, why are you like that? Yeah. And it could literally just be, you know, not just be, but this is where it all kind of started yeah. from, perhaps. Yeah, you know. Been. Which could have been prevented. Yeah. If they had therapy. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay, so let's say I'm a parent and I'm listening to you and I'm like, "Mm, I hear what she's saying, but I'm not sure. Perhaps there's still an element of fear in them. Um, So could you explain to us um, what a typical session would look like now obviously everyone's going to come there for different reasons but mm. if you were having a session with a young person what 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 would they what would they expect to kind of happen um depending what age the young person is I mean, so say like a teen, say like a 15 year old teenager that kind of age so they will come in i'll ask them there'll be two chairs usually there's two mm-hmm. chairs sometimes there's three chairs and they get to sit wherever they want wherever they feel comfortable so from there from there i try to um, shift the balance of power because a lot of the time young people they, they feel quite inferior because everybody in life is telling them what to yes. do anyways yeah so the first thing i tend to do is oh where would you like to sit and then blah where are you sitting you, you sit and then i'll sit wherever whatever mm-hmm. seat is left so already i'm letting them know that this is your space mm-hmm. this is your room so i do that with all, all my clients anyways um so it's not just young people that I do that with. I do that with parents as well. Because, you know, that power is, is quite important because a lot of people, they tend to think that as a therapist, I can read their mind yeah. and I control <laughs> the universe and I can control everything. So, you know, I'm trying to shift that power into, you know, this is your space yeah. already. And then, you know, from when they sit down, it's just, you know, tell me a bit about yourself. Tell me why you're here. What can I do for you? So again, it's giving them the power of what do you want in this space? What can I do for you? What can I help you with? What can I guide you with really and truly? Mm-hmm. So it's not even necessarily what can I help you with because, you know, it takes two to tango in, in, in therapy because I can't do the work for you. You have to do it yourself. But then mm-hmm. I'm just like your little guide, like your torchlights really and truly yeah. in, in darkness to kind of say, okay, no, there, there's no route there. There's no way there. How about we try this way? And if you don't want to try this way, okay, let's think of other ways that you can try it. So it's about working as a team with my with my clients, um, young people and their parents, um, or anyone that comes to therapy. It's about working in, as a team, really. Mm-hmm. So I'm not there to tell you what to do. I'm not there to tell you what works for your life because what works for your life can... What works for me might not work for you. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's about what works for you. What have you been through that makes you feel like this may not work? And sometimes it's as clear as day to me that it's their thoughts or that it's something that they've been through and they mm-hmm. would deny it from, from, from today to next week and they would deny, no, I'm fine. My parents were perfect. My this was perfect. There's nothing wrong with my relationship. No, no, no. My husband loves me. No, no, no. My wife adores the floor that I walk on. And it's like, okay, so, you know, tell me a bit more about how this adore, adoration goes on. And then the more they talk about whatever it is, the more we're like, okay, well, it sounds like there's, there's a bit of um, tinted glass going on there. Let's take mm-hmm. off this tint and let's look at what's really going on in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so really and truly, therapy is just about whatever it is that you want to talk about, whatever it is you're bringing and just for me to just guide you. And sometimes they might have had a perfect parenting. They might have been in a great relationship, but 
there is always something to learn about yourself. So yes. even if there's nothing going on yes. in your life, mm-hmm. it can the therapy can just be, you know, let's get to know you better. Let you and no one can know you as much as you know yourself. Self, yeah. However, mm-hmm. there's always this um the Bible talks about um you can't you can't take the speck out of your own eyes because you can't see, see it. it. Yes. And yes. a lot of the time that's what therapy is, you can't see it. Yes. You can't see what you sometimes are doing that is not helpful for you and for yes. other people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, therapy I'm I'm like the mirror where you know you can now look at yourself and then I will just really say to you, Oh look, look what you've just said. said to me. And it's like, did I say that? Oh, did you not say it? And they will look at, you know, mm. why you said it? Did you say it? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the time they don't even realize what they're saying. They've said that and it's like, oh, I don't know why I said that. Okay, why did you say that? Let's look at why you mm-hmm. said it. Where did that come from? Um, so yeah, therapy is just being the mirror and you're just looking and reflecting yourself and just figuring out yourself and not getting to know yourself better, really. So if someone was fearful about therapy... For me, I would just say there's nothing to be fearful about. It's just, you know, the therapist is just going to be a mirror for you to see yourself, for you to see where you can do better in yourself. And we can always grow. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I've been in therapy for over a decade, decade and I'm still in therapy. And I'm always learning about myself. There's always something I can do better. Mm-hmm. Yes. And for me, you know, until my dying day, I feel like there's, I, I want to better myself. Self, absolutely. And if therapy mm-hmm. can help me better myself, help me know myself, help me nurture myself a bit better then I don't, I, I, I mean, I'm a therapist, but I love to go in therapy myself. Mm-hmm. I love sitting there as the, as the client and being like, oh, so this happened and, and this happened. And then, you know, so I'm just going to give you all my stuff and then you kind of fix me up and then I can go now. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I'm going to, again, sit in the this chair of a parent who maybe feels like, well, you know, if I send my child to, you know, therapy, then, you know, what if they start saying all this bad stuff about me? And, you know, I'm just doing my best to, you know, I've, you know, I've got, I've got to go to work. I've got to look after the house. And, you know, sometimes I don't always have the time to be there how I want. So I can imagine that that is probably a big thing for some parents because it makes them realise that actually maybe they're not as perfect as they thought they were. So what would you say to a parent like that who might be resistant for those reasons? Um, What I would say to that parent would be, you are living your life and you are doing the best that you can but your child is missing something and whatever it is they're going to get it from somewhere to fulfill them so it's better that they get that attention where there's attention that they need where it's just that one-to-one attention that they're getting from an adult that is there to just care for them and give them unconditional love and that might just be all that child needs just you know someone Mm -hmm. just to listen to them yeah if all they need to do is just ramble on, just someone to listen to them. That's not judging them. That's not going to tell them off about it because that's not what we're going to be doing in therapy. We're not going to tell you off. You can use whatever language you want to use to express yourself as long as you're not breaking things and you're not, you know, jumping up and down and, like, smashing up the place. Mm-hmm. You can use whatever verbal words that, you know, you might not be able to use at home to express yourself. So it's a just it's just a non-judgmental place and, you know, young people need that place. They need that space. And a lot of the time, they can get that space within their friends but even that there's a there's a little connect there's a little there's a little judgment that will still go on that they will always think oh is this person going to tell this person is it going to mm-hmm. tell whereas in therapy it stays in the room there's confidentiality that it stays in the room unless there's fear that they're going to hurt themselves mm-hmm. or they've been hurt and then obviously then things might need to go further but if they're just expressing themselves there's no harm to them there's no harm they're not causing anyone harm 
it's just a safe space for them to just express themselves and get to know themselves better. So you as a parent, you're doing your best, but then you need to also allow the child to express themselves in a safe space. And therapy is the most safe space because out there with their friends, it's not always necessarily safe for them to express themselves because somebody can see the way that they're expressing themselves as something negative and that can escalate situation. <laughs> so therapy is a safe space for your young people to express themselves to know themselves and to and to get nurtured in a loving non-judgmental way which every human needs mm-hmm. um, and i know that sometimes people tend to um mistake talking therapy psychotherapy with um psycho psychologist and psychologists um they can lock you up so if they think you're mentally unstable they they, they, they have the power to say okay you're not going home today because we feel you're really unsafe mm-hmm. um we're gonna take Psychotherapists, we don't have that power. We don't do that. We believe everybody is capable of and rational enough, regardless how hysterical you are. Mm-hmm. We believe that you are conscious enough to know what you're doing, unless you're high on drugs or alcohol. But if you're not, we believe that you have the power to do what you want in your life. And we're always trying to give you that power in your life. So we're not going to section you. We might tell you you need to go to a GP because you might need some antidepressant. You might, you might okay. look at, you know, things mm-hmm. like um, maybe what you're eating is affecting what, you know, how you're feeling. Like a lot of time people people tell us, oh, I'm not I'm not sleeping well. I'm not sleeping well. What are you eating? Oh, well, I love chocolate and I love fizzy drinks. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> let's look at, you know, yeah. the, the chemicals in those things. Mm-hmm. They do keep you awake. They do get you agitated. Yeah. They do, you know, sugar, sugar rush is a, is a real thing. Mm. So, you know, those are the kind of things that, you know, as psychotherapists, we may, we will look at and we will explore. Whereas a psychotherapist... So can I just interject for a second? Yes. <laughs> just something just came to me, what you said about, you know, the chocolate and fizzy drinks and stuff. People who suffer from depression, who get quite tired, mm. I've noticed that sometimes... Yeah they overload on fizzy and energy type drinks because they think that's what they need and then in turn that's not helping them to yeah, sleep and then absolutely. they have the insomnia oh, goodness yeah. me okay and then it becomes a cycle cycle yeah non-ending cycle mm. you know all these thoughts are going through their mind that they've got they're full of energy that <laughs> mm. <laughs> they're literally buzzing um they can't sleep but then they need to sleep mm. and then they're tired because they can't sleep and then they feel like they need chocolate for energy mm. and then they don't have the energy to really cook proper food anyways mm-hmm. or to do exercise so then they drink the fizzy drink to give them the energy so they don't feel physically low and it's just ongoing cycle that is just it's mm. not helpful but yeah, yeah so th- those are the kind of things that we look at in therapy um whereas a psychologist might feel like because you're in a state where you're continuously doing the same thing again and again and again Maybe it would be better for you to be sectioned for just a little bit. Maybe be in a safe space in the hospital, which there's nothing wrong with that, if that yeah. is what that person needs. Because sometimes people do need that. They do mm. need that power to be taken away from them and given to someone who can actually manage it for them for a short while. Mm. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, what I'm just trying to, to get across is that is not what we do in psychotherapy, in talking therapy. That is not what we do. We will help you know how to manage yourself. We will help you examine what you as a person can do. It's all about you physically doing these things yourself. Mm-hmm. And we will highlight it. We will shine the lights on it. But you have to do it. We're not going to do it for you. We're not going to recruit people to do it for you. We're always going to give you the power that you need to do this. And that's what we'll do with your young people as well. We'll be like, this is what you as a person need to do you need to realize you are capable you need to realize your parents are doing their best you need to realize this is what you need to do to excel in school you need to realize you are born smart and you need to realize all these things Mm -hmm. um so we're not going to do it for them 
it's just always going to be you this is what you need to do so as a parent what if I feel like my child isn't emotionally intelligent enough to maybe take on the you know that what, what you're saying is in like they they need to be responsible for this and that is that would that be a fair question for a parent to ask maybe yeah I mean I've heard a lot of parents say things like that and um, I would say well you as a parent you need therapy for even thinking that <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> Look, this is the real type of psychotherapist we need on this platform, okay? Not one that's going to sugarcoat stuff. No, I do not sugarcoat. Go for it. Go for it, Celestina. Go for I it. I do not sugarcoat. <laughs> that is true. And it's, and it's interesting because a lot of people do actually say that to me. And they say to me that um, they feel like that is why they're able to actually move forward because I don't sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going, you know, if you're going in the in a in a in a same corner in the dark same tunnel, I'll be like, you're going in the same dark tunnel. Whereas a lot of other therapists might say things along the lines of, "Oh, it sounds like you are doing the same thing. Why is that?" I'll be like, well, "You're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing the same thing. Why are you doing the same thing? Yeah. Can we look at why you're doing the same thing?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and so I think sometimes people need to find the therapist that works for them. Yes. Because, you know, my personality comes out in my, in my profession mm-hmm. as well. Um, so you need to, and there's different types of um, psychotherapists as well. There's some people who are humanistic and humanistic are a lot more subtle in the things that they will do. So they, their, their way of being is just a lot of reflection. So it's a lot of, um, rep- not necessarily repeating what you say, but also kind of like repeating what you say. So they're just paraphrasing what you said. Mm-hmm. And that is literally what they'll do. And that works amazingly if that's what the person needs. Yes. But sometimes other people need a lot more um, straightforward, Forward, direct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Direct way of being. And if that is what my client needs, then that is what they would get from yeah. me. If they mm-hmm. need something more subtle, then I can obviously give them something more subtle. Because, you know, different human beings work differently depending on what has happened in their life because if something if they've been through quite a harsh life then me being harsh to them it's not going to be helpful because then that's just going to trigger the survival yeah, mode uh-huh. that we spoke about earlier because then they're going to go into a panic you know i said oh this is what my mom used to do this is what my dad used to do always turning me off always being um so sometimes you can tell that you know the person just needs to be quite subtle they just need you to be just you know listening and just oh yeah i understand what you mean Hmm, tell me a bit more about that. And sometimes that works mir- mm-hmm. miraculously because that's yeah. what that person needs. They just need you just to listen. Don't interrupt me. Don't don't suggest anything. Just listen. Just mm-hmm. listen. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. But my personality definitely comes through in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but I think, like, a, on that note, I always, I always kind of tell... You can actually tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I always say to my listeners that I I think particularly as black people it's important to ideally find a therapist that looks somewhat like you or has a similar kind of cultural background because there's just things that you don't necessarily have to explain yes um my my therapist who I finished with some uh, last year um she was of she was an you know middle-aged lady but of Jamaican background so when I was talking to her about my family, there were things that she just got straight away yeah. that I wouldn't, but how, however, if I was speaking to a a white female middle-class lady and I'm saying to her, I don't know, something like, uh, you know, oh, 
at the nine night. What's that? <laughs> oh, it's, you know, like, a, oh, and we do X, Y, Z. Oh, why do you, do you see what I mean? So yeah. it, just save, it just saves time. Do you, do, you, do you think, was that, is that something you would agree with? Definitely, you say? definitely. I mean, my first, actually, all my therapists have actually been white, mid-age counsellors. Mm-hmm. And you know what? At the first therapist I had, it was simply because I needed to pass my course and I just got whoever. Yeah. Um, and she was also willing to lower the price for me because I really needed it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's like the therapist was yes, expensive. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to go for you because you're able to lower the price for me. Awesome. But there was a lot of things that she would say that used to really annoy me. There was one time I was talking about um, me coming here from Nigeria. And when she paraphrased back to me, she said she said something along the lines of, oh, and then the, 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 your village. I didn't mention it's I came village. from a village. Mm-hmm. I mentioned I came from a country Tree, yeah. called Nigeria. Mm. But for some reason, you think Nigeria is a village. Yeah. What, you think Africa is a village? <laughs> so that annoyed yeah. me. Uh-huh. Because that's something that I want. I don't feel like I would need to explain. Yes. To a lot of other people who were black, yes. they would just understand Nigeria mm-hmm. as a country, yeah, not a village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, "What?" And I left pissed off. Mm-hmm. I cancelled the the next two sessions because I was just like, "How dare you dare call my you, country yeah. a, a whole, village? A whole, a whole big, country? A whole big, it's a big country. country? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's bigger than England. Yeah." <laughs> village but you're gonna call it village, village. the audacity mm. but she was charging what i could afford <laughs> so i dragged I myself back yes. and i thought i had to tell her like mm. no i had to explain the whole thing for her and she apologized and she learned from it but that is what you mean by there's just some things that you don't have to explain to black therapists they would just get it or asian therapists yeah mm-hmm. they would just get it because it's just it's just a no-brainer yeah, it's just a no-brainer it's just it's just kind of <laughs> I guess people of culture just know certain things. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned affordability. So um, let's say again, I'm a parent, uh, you know, I maybe I um, am a single parent perhaps, you know, it's my income alone, but I really think my child needs something. Is there any help out there? How much do sessions typically cost for young people? Are they cheaper than adults? No, they're the same. So what I will say to people, because obviously we're we're a community organisation, so Florence Council is a community organisation, um, which means we can lower it a little bit, but we can't lower it too much because we're not commissioned by NHS. So a lot of, you will find some, some organisations are commissioned. Um, so that means that the NHS or the GP gives their money so they can, you know, give, offer free counselling. Mm-hmm. We're not, with, and I am, I am trying to get... Um, GPs involved but we're not there yet mm-hmm. um so we can't the, the lowest that we actually go right now is actually 50 pounds per session mm-hmm. and a lot of time people are like oh that's a lot of money and it's like actually you it's know what money. i pay my counselors my 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 staff i pay them 25 pound 20 depending how experienced they are 20 to 25 pounds per hour per session um the rooms that we hire it's about 20 it's about 16 the room we're using at the moment the one in um george Street. Um, in Croydon is £16.50 per hour that we use for those rooms. So already almost £40 has gone out of that yes. £50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have to have admins because when mm-hmm. you contact us, somebody has to email you back, somebody yes. has to pick up the phone. So, on. so admin gets paid about £10 per session that, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So really and truly, the company keeps like £3, 
five pounds sometimes if we're lucky yeah <laughs> so the company is actually not making money from us charging 50 pounds which is why i've actually like earlier on this year actually reduced the amount of low-income people that we took in because we weren't making money yeah, from it it's not sustainable <laughs> it's yeah, not sustainable no, yeah. mm. um so you know there, there are normal charges 90 pounds an hour and with that you know we can we can sustain the company we can pay all the staff nicely we can pay admins we don't have to worry about certain things and yeah and the, you know the company makes a little bit of profit which is about 15 pounds or whatever mm-hmm. which again is not even that much yeah <laughs> um but if people can't afford that and i understand a lot of people can't what I will suggest is GP. If you are in Croydon and um, off the record, which I used to, off the record Croydon, which I used to work for, I can't believe I'm promoting them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If it's helpful for someone out there, yeah. then it's helpful for uh. them. Um, they work with young people from the age of 11 to 25 years old. So if you're young people and they're waiting list from what I remember, um, six weeks was, was, I think six to eight weeks was the waiting weeks um the waiting time which is not too bad because nhs is you know about six months to a year yeah yeah so you know if you can't if you if you've gone to your gp and um you're waiting 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 try off the record croydon and they and they and i believe they also work in the merton and um sutton now as well okay and they work with quite the similar age range um from about 11 to 25 year old in certain and merton as well um so if you're in central London or other parts of the of the country, you're just gonna have to speak to your GP and find out what other services are around. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I force my child to go? Does this have to be like a mutual agreement? You know, that's a good question. Because even as adults, we sometimes force our partners and force our relatives to go counselling, and then they 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 don't want to, and mm. they get there. And they, I've had people sleep in session because they were told they had to come and they didn't want to be there, so they just get there, shut their eyes, and be gone. <laughs> what do you do in that type of situation? Well, you know what? The first time it happened to me, I was just like, "What the hell is this?" Like, I can I, I could be eating my cheesecake at yeah. home. Mm. I could be doing other things with my time. You're sleeping, but then as a therapist, I had to stay alert, so I couldn't just be like, "Okay, I'm just gonna sleep as well." I had to be like, look, I had to be like staring at you, sleeping. But when I took it to supervision, and this is the power of supervision with therapists, my supervisor was like, how did you feel? Mm. So we looked at how I felt, and then it turns out that actually a lot of the things that I thought was my own annoyance was actually the client's. And the next session, the shift happened with that client. I've actually had it with two clients that sleep off, slept off. But when I take to therapy for supervision and mm-hmm. therapy, personal therapy, there's always a shift in the next session. And that I just feel like that is just part of the energy that was sent out. So Okay, so sorry, let's just slow down here. So they slept. Yes. And their annoyance got transferred over to you. Absolutely. So you're saying then that so that when they came back for the following session, because there'd been that shift of energy, they were more open to... Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, they were. So, you know, this is the power of, you know, counselling. So somebody might come and not want to be there, but it's up to the therapist to be grounded enough to also have their own support network mm-hmm. to shift that energy for that client because sometimes that that person just needs it to be shifted. So that that is another thing with, um, with counselling because it's just two people in that room. Or if it's a family session, then it's about, you know, three or four people. Yeah. Um, but that energy is just circulating in that room. Mm. So depending what the energy of other people are, if the therapist is grounded enough, they'll be able to pick it up. 
and you know sometimes you can pick it up as a therapist and you know misinterpret it for yours Mm -hmm. and that is fine but the thing is we have supervision that also helps us detangle Mm-hmm. because a lot of the time that's what happens in therapy like you know the emotions get the tangled up and you know the therapist can get confused the client can get confused the mind service is your stuff and we call it transference and counter transference so you know it's like you've transferred your stuff onto me it's mixed in with my own past and my own subconscious mm-hmm. and now i've put it back into the into the atmosphere and then i've kind of given it a little bit of it to you and then you're like oh but what's going on with me now so you know that 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 the tangle really needs to then be taken to therapy and supervision for us as therapists to then come back into the room for the client to Mm -hmm. actually really straighten out what it is that they're trying to um, achieve and what has gone on if that makes sense no that makes perfect (laughs) sense to me um and so the question i want to ask is so that transference of energy can be that quick within a 15 minute session. Absolutely. So if it can you, be within a couple of minutes. So, okay. So then if you then are, I'm just going to keep it in the context of, you know, young people, mm. if you're a young person who's absolutely fine, you're well balanced, what have you. Um, and you're then sitting down in a room with somebody who has a lot of PTSD mm. And they're carrying a lot of heavy negative energy. How quickly then? Within a second. Wow. It happens within a second. Have you ever met someone where you don't know them, but you just don't like them? Yeah, my spirit doesn't take to them straight away. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the energy. Mm. You've picked up on something. You don't know what it is, but you've picked it up as soon as you met them. Mm -hmm. They haven't said a word to you. Sometimes they haven't even looked at you. You just probably like walk past them and just like, oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know what it is with you, but oh. Mm-hmm. within a second that's how fast energies get transferred between us so then second. if your child then who is grounded balanced continues to interact mm. with other children with this same energy yeah i guess this is the starting point of how things can kind of start to go left for your child absolutely which is why it's so important that every child has therapy guys absolutely you know what you are so spot on you are so spot on absolutely 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 Mm. absolutely and the thing is young people don't quite know just like you know you know like i said even though i'm a therapist the fact that i was sitting there getting annoyed at that client it took me to go to my supervisor who's also a psychotherapist Mm -hmm. for me to realize that actually it wasn't all mine so young people could simply feel that negative energy feel that restlessness because if that energy has been transferred onto them, but mm. then they think it's theirs. Yeah. So they're getting agitated in class, but it's not actually their energy. energy yeah. They're getting annoyed at home, but it's not actually their energy. That's then and it's like how do you? But how do you? How do I mean? Okay. For, so for example, like my listeners know, I'm very much into keeping my energy as clear and as clean as possible, and I do a lot of work for that. I think especially after we spoke that time, and you were saying to me about. Um, I think we spoke of air and or and I think you were explaining to me that how psychotherapists are trained to kind of release mm. after after, after a session and I was like wow like I haven't been doing that at all and your last season before we spoke was really heavy topic it was love laid bare mm. so yeah you're right actually you know the person's the parents, young person, could simply be well balanced, and it's just other people around them. 
in the family, in school, on the street, on the bus, that they're just picking it up. Mm. And a lot, some people are more sensitive than others as well. So, you know, there's, you know, they call them empaths, where, you know, you yes. can just, you know, you can just, you just empathize with other people's emotions and energy mm-hmm. really quickly. Mm-hmm. And who knows, who knows if your child is like that, where, yeah. So as a parent, what do you do? Therapy. Therapy, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> Therapy, therapy, um, and obviously if you're religious, that can also be helpful. But I wouldn't just say religion is the only way. Without therapy, I really don't think it helps. It's like, you know, someone has a brain tumor, you're saying, let's pray it away. Pray is great. Great, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that tumor also needs to be cut out. Mm-hmm. That also, they need medication. Yeah. They need, you know, to shrink that tumor, whatever it is that is needed. And it's the same with our mind. It's, prayer is great for depression or whatever that, you know, the person's going through, but you need treatment. Mm-hmm. And treatment is talking therapy. And, you know, if, if you want to take medication, that's, that's your choice. But, you know, if you're having talking therapy and you're looking at your diet, you know, I really don't see why you need to then... Go for medication. Go for medication. But it depends how severe the situation is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like a point where it's so severe now mm-hmm. that you do need medication. But, you know, this is, this is what I mean by prevention is better than cure. cure. Yeah. You know, the sooner you start looking after your mind, know yourself better, letting young people know themselves better. Because if the young people know themselves better, mm. then they'll be able to be like, oh, why do I feel like that? I was fine when I left the house. Now I just feel really feel, yeah. upset. Mm. And then they start, you know, processing, why am I upset? Nothing has happened that's making me upset. So why am I upset? You know, but then mm. if the young people don't know themselves, they're not, you know, they're not able to process their emotion. They're just yeah. going to be upset and then they're just going to, you know, getting annoyed at other people because they just feel upset. And, mm. you know, young people, when they do feel something, they just, <laughs> they do what they mm. do because they just feel it and they do it. Um, so that is the power of therapy and getting to know yourself. Okay. Okay, well, this has been a really interesting chat. And uh, guys, I hope you've, um, or parents particularly, I hope you've really taken on board um what we've spoken about and particularly for 2020 um you know we really need to be because the things that i i think there's a lot of work being done within the community trying to kind of um reduce youth violence and keeping the kids busy but like celestina said not many people are working on the mind Mm. and really and truly this is where it all kind of starts from um so if a parent wants to get into contact with you, um, how can they get hold of you? Um, so the company is called Floating Counselling. Info at floatingcounselling.co.uk. Um, they can get us on Facebook, which is Floating Counselling as well. Twitter is Float Counsellor. Um, so yes, yeah, all Floating Counselling going on. And Instagram is floating underscore body, mind, soul. So that's floating underscore body, mind, soul. But yeah, just just get us on our website okay have a look at the website and see if that's something that you want to get in contact with so floatingcounseling.co.uk and how and how much are sessions on average roughly 50 pounds 50 pounds for low income or young people or yeah okay but usually 90 pounds okay (laughs) fantastic so right so guys so we're gonna have a competition and i'm gonna be doing a giveaway of celestina's book the art of discipline with love it's a brilliant fantastic book i think every parent should have it buy it for your friends for christmas christmas is coming up it's available on amazon where else and every bookstores as well Mm -hmm. it's available okay cool so i'm going to be giving this book away um so the question is celestina you tell us the question so the question is um I gave a lot of examples in this 
podcast of why counseling is important for young people. So the, 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 what was the thing? The, the, the examples. The examples. Yes. <laughs> so to win the book, give two examples that I gave on why counseling and talking therapy is important for young people. So two examples that I gave in this podcast. Okay. So um if you can send your answers either to my Instagram DMs, which is Lovely Bear if you don't already follow, or you can send an email to lovelaidbear at gmail.com or send a message on Facebook if you follow the Facebook page. So either one of those, lovelaidbear on Instagram, DM me, lovelaidbear Facebook or lovelaidbear at gmail.com with your answers and I will announce the winner at next week's show. Okay, well, guys, if there has been anything that you've been um, affected by that we've spoken about today, please do head over to our resources page where we have a list of different support services. I will also list Celestina's um, company on there. So if you do want to get into contact with her, you can just head over to the website, which is www.lovelaidbear.com forward slash resources to find that. Um, please share with your friends, subscribe and follow on um, our social media accounts. And um, as always, take care of yourselves and I love you. Have a great week. And it's a wrap. Thank you. Oh, thank I you. didn't know you had a Facebook page. Did I? No.